In today's program, we continue our special series, Hearts and Minds Uplifted, a collection of short articles from the book of the same title. These stories by authors from all walks of life illustrate the tremendous personal growth that can be achieved by cultivating one's character through practicing Falun Gong. Overcoming Complacency to Become a Better Person by a Western Practitioner in the United States I have been a Falun Dafa practitioner since late June 1999. At that time, I had already been doing the exercises for about three months, but was also practicing Tibetan Buddhism. After listening to the nine-day Dafa lecture series, I struggled for a short time and then decided to finally commit myself to just practicing Falun Dafa. I knew that I had been making no progress in cultivation up to that point. In looking back, although I'm still working towards becoming a better person and have a long way to go, I have made certain progress in that direction. I'm a second-generation American of mixed Polish and Russian-German ancestry. Although my family were non-practicing Catholics and Protestants, they instilled Christian concepts in me by clearly distinguishing what was right and wrong. Each of them had been raised by very religious mothers. Despite or because of my parents' humble backgrounds growing up here during the Depression, they wanted their children to succeed in the material world, and so they considered doing well in school extremely important. As a child, I learned to compete for grades by the time I was in high school. At the same time, I had sense enough to be self-conscious of my own need to be the best. To compensate, I became not only good in school, but also good at analyzing my own faults and others, and good at seeming like a wonderful person. I was very cheerful and helpful. I had a very altruistic point of view. By the time I was in graduate school, I had convinced many people of my goodness and certainly had convinced myself. For this reason, practicing cultivation was hard for me. I was complacent with my life. I had always been treated well by others. Although my graduate studies added tremendous stress to my life, I was learning and intellectually stimulated. Although my husband and I worried about money, still he had a job and my stipend added a little to that, so that we always managed to pay the rent, eat, and take care of our bills. I had many friends with whom I could indulge in gossip and good times. My life was good. After finishing my comprehensive exams, my husband and I moved to Kansas City, where he found a better paying and more challenging job. I settled down to part-time work and to writing my dissertation. My contact with friends diminished, and the stimulating challenge of new projects and ideas did too. I still had a very optimistic attitude about life and progress because I considered the time in Kansas City as a stopover on the way to something either more exciting or more familiar. At the same time, I began to reassess my progress as a cultivator. Master Lee gives us so much help 
that after listening to the lectures, I felt like a different person. I could refrain from sarcasm when my husband got angry with me. I could monitor my own behavior more easily, and I literally could see the world in brighter colors. As my cultivation began in earnest, I started on a tearful tour of realizing what I had become. For months, usually during the sitting meditation, I would have realizations that led me to cry. More accurately, I would cry so hard that I'd get tired from it. I did not cry out in compassion for others. I cried out for all the bad things I had done. I cried when I realized that I'd been living a lie, that I had created an image of a wonderful and wise and loving person to show the world. I cried when I realized how kindly other people had treated me throughout my life. My parents tried to give me everything I wanted. My husband sacrificed years of his life in a job he hated in order to put me through school. I had often returned their kindness with smug indifference. I cried over and over again at my deeply embedded tendency to showing off. It seemed that everything I said was meant to show off in some way. I would be introduced to a new person, for example, and I would mention that I was working on my Ph.D., as if they needed that piece of information. While teaching my acting class, my studies are in theater, and asking my students to sing a prepared piece of musical theater, I managed to slip in a few bars of my own, as if I needed to impress junior high schoolers with my talents. All of these little events made me thoroughly unhappy with myself. This may not sound like a good way to be, but these feelings of remorse helped me considerably. I saw myself more truthfully and would vow never to show off again until the next opportunity arose and I would hear another inappropriate comment escape my lips. I battled and cried for three months in this way, and now I spend less time justifying my inconsiderate or self-interested behavior. I am beginning to recover some of the depth I had lost to glibness over the years. I have recovered some of the integrity instilled by my father and the compassion I had felt as a young child. Some practitioners seem to have come from a past of despair or tortuous illness. I did not. I came from the other side and had to get past the easy world I had made for myself. Today, I'm still struggling to become a better person. Nonetheless, what could be more precious than that struggle? Take hardships as blessings. Look inward for the source of our difficulties. By a Chinese practitioner in the U.S. I have been in the United States for more than one year. Now when I look back, I realize that I have experienced more hardships during this one year than in all the years since I started practicing Falun Dafa in 1995. I feel fortunate to have encountered these difficulties because otherwise I would not have been able to improve my character. I am a technician in my company. My responsibility is assembling and testing different kinds of microthermal equipment. In the early days, everything in the company was new to me, 
and I had to learn from my colleagues, I felt like I was being treated as an apprentice. I was ordered around to do all kinds of trivial work that no one else wanted to do. I had to endure people's impatience, too. Whenever I ran into something new, I had to ask others. When I asked too much, they would get impatient. Or if they happened to be in a bad mood, they would easily get impatient, too. Different products have different procedures for assembly. If the procedures are not followed correctly, some problems may occur when the products are tested. This, in turn, might bring the company a big loss. For a certain period of time, I made mistakes very often. Something always went wrong, even in an absurd manner. Sometimes, although I obviously followed the procedures very well, and even got the green light from my colleagues, the results were still frustrating. Not surprisingly, I received a lot of harsh comments from the lab supervisor, which made me very sad. I thought to myself, I'm trying to do my best. Is there anything wrong with that? To make it worse, one of my colleagues always reported to the supervisor upon spotting even the tiniest mistake of mine. The supervisor would then get impatient immediately and shout, You can't make mistakes all the time, otherwise I can't keep you here anymore. Then I would get angry too and think, All human beings make mistakes. Do you think I made them intentionally? At those times, my mind would be occupied by one idea. Fire me then. If worse comes to worse, I'll go home. That's it. I'm fed up with this kind of life. The situation continued for a long time, until one day I made an error just as the supervisor happened to pass by. He asked me what happened. I told him I made another mistake and expected him to explode with complaints. To my surprise, he went away without saying anything. All of a sudden, I felt awakened from a dream. So many days of reprimands and arguments all came out of one attachment. Every time a mistake occurred, I had always remained silent and tried to cover it up. When someone came to inquire, I said that everything was fixed and fine. I always held the belief that so long as I ended up with a good result, everybody should be happy. They shouldn't bother asking what happened in the process. On the surface, my argument sounds reasonable, but to a DAFA practitioner, it is not. A practitioner should follow the principle of truthfulness, do things in an upright way, be willing to admit to any mistakes, and be crystal clear regarding every matter. Isn't the attempt to cover up mistakes a big attachment? Surprisingly, after that event, I seldom made mistakes. Consequently, the supervisor never complained again, and no one bothered to report my mistakes to him anymore. Probably because no one in my family creates trouble for me, I was destined to encounter more trouble in my company so that I would have opportunities to cultivate. One colleague seemed very aggressive in every single matter. He had a habit of preempting the company's equipment, even if he had no immediate use for it. Therefore, when the time came that I needed to use a certain piece of equipment, I could not, and my work would be delayed. Besides, I'm a person of discipline and order, and always keep my tools and equipment neatly assorted. He was just the opposite, leaving every piece of equipment messy, greasy, and sometimes broken after he used it. At times when he could not find his own tools, he used mine, and occasionally lost mine too. 
my work would then be greatly affected. Similar kinds of things happened to me almost every day. Several times I could not control my temper and burst into anger. Afterwards I regretted what I had done. On the issue of improving my character, when there were conflicts I felt that I was moving up very slowly. Why couldn't I feel within myself a heart of compassion and kindness? If a trivial matter could hurt me, I was far from being firm and unmoved, as a Dafa practitioner should be. After thinking about it, I understood why. In the first place, it was because I had adopted a biased attitude towards others. I looked at them as selfish, rough, and unorganized in their work. I always had perceived things around me strictly from my own point of view. When others did not fit my perceptions, I felt uncomfortable with them. Why had I become so angry? It was because they disturbed my work and created trouble for me. Every bit of my thinking had been about myself only. Was that not selfish? If he had been making trouble for others, disturbing other people's work, I would not have become angry. In every matter, we must be considerate of others. After I started adopting such an attitude, I no longer felt annoyed by my co-workers. On the contrary, I started to feel compassion for them, because they too were suffering from the difficulties in their lives. Discovering Hope in the Sea of Misery A Young Man Finds Falun Dafa in Prison by a Practitioner in China In October 1999, I received a prison sentence and suddenly became a convict. Originally, even the prosecutor said that I should be found innocent. My lawyer also said that I was innocent and that if I were to be found guilty, he would not charge me a penny. Nevertheless, I was found guilty and the next thing I knew, I was in prison. I could find no one to share my pain or listen to my complaints. I felt heartbroken. In December 1999, several groups of Falun Gong practitioners were sent to the same prison simply for upholding their faith. At that time, I did not understand the practitioners' efforts in their cultivation practice. Together with other inmates, I laughed at them, thinking that they could find nothing better to do but bring trouble upon themselves. I even said that Falun Gong practitioners had mental problems. I also speculated that they were politically motivated. After I was moved to different cells, these questions were gradually resolved. During my time in the prison, I was moved seven times. Each move provided an opportunity to meet more practitioners. Prison is pure hell. Everything from daily life to people's thinking is very different from the outside world. Inmates fight for food, spread gossip, and mock each other. In prison, people do whatever they can to make themselves feel good at others' expense. The only exceptions were the Falun Gong practitioners. They never fought back when attacked, either physically or verbally. They cared for other people. They placed value on virtue and good deeds. They also clarified the truth about Falun Gong, patiently advising the criminal inmates to become good people. In the seven months I spent in prison, all the practitioners I knew were the same way. Regardless of their education level, they all demonstrated a high moral standard. They had a great capacity to tolerate differences in people, and they all were able to endure tremendous hardships. Their sincere manner and compassion were most memorable. After spending time with Falun Gong practitioners, I was amazed that I could meet such good people in such a dark place. Under their great teacher's guidance, 
They were practicing a wonderful cultivation. I secretly admired them. Falun Gong practitioners are the most fortunate people in the world. This experience taught me an important lesson. I established an upright understanding of the world and found the true meaning of life. I saw a light in the darkness and found truth in that boundless sea of misery. I am grateful to those who put me in prison, even though their motives were personal revenge. How else could I have ever met so many Falun Gong practitioners? Without this experience, I would have taken more wrong turns in life and committed more bad deeds. This prison term for me was a blessing in disguise. Why do I say this? Because I have learned Falun Gong. I will tell my family and friends about the persecution. I will invite them to practice Falun Gong. I will tell everyone to remember truthfulness, compassion, forbearance. I will tell them that Falun Dafa is great. Now people around me tell me that I am a different person. They say that I have more respect for people. That is because when I was in prison, I read John Following, the main book of Falun Gong. After I heard Falun Gong practitioners clarifying the truth about the persecution, I vowed to start practicing Falun Gong after getting out. Later on, I became a Falun Gong practitioner myself. Now I am telling everyone my own experience. Please try to find out more about Falun Gong practitioners. Please come to learn the truth about Falun Gong. A small video clip changes a life by Chinese practitioner in the U.S. I have been practicing Falun Dafa for a year and a half now. Although I know the importance of clarifying the truth to Chinese people who have been deceived by the Chinese Communist Party, especially those who are from mainland China, I often get unfriendly reactions and words from them that make me reluctant to try harder, and I often think. I've tried my best. Then my mother came to visit me from China a few months ago, and I had no choice but to face this big challenge. She was upset when she learned that I practiced Falun Dafa and didn't want to hear any of the truth from me. Each time we ended our discussions, it was in a fight. I was worried for her, but my character was not yet improved enough to talk to her in a peaceful and intelligent manner. Whenever she quoted something from the evil propaganda, I got emotional. I gave up on her quickly and didn't want to try any more. But then one day, I had to make some video copies for a fellow practitioner. It took me a while to set up the equipment. When I was finished, I started recording. Just then, my mother happened to come into the family room to see what I was doing. She was immediately attracted to the beautiful three-minute Dafa exercise demo and sat down to watch it. I recorded it three times, and she watched it each of the three times without even moving. For the rest of the night and the next day, she sat on the couch and watched every Dafa film I recorded. One after another, changes began to take place in her. After she watched the tape about the staged self-immolation in Tiananmen Square, she could not stop condemning the Chinese Communist regime for deceiving millions of its innocent citizens. While watching the tape about Zhang Keying, an artist who was imprisoned and tortured in China, her eyes watered. When she saw white, 
black, and Indian faces among the people doing the exercises, she was astonished and her chin dropped. After she watched the videos of Falun Dafa in Taiwan, she asked me what a nine-day seminar was and if she could attend one too. Soon afterwards, we watched the nine-day seminar together. Now my mother has begun practicing Dafa. She listens to Master Lee's fall lectures on CD every day while cooking, cleaning, and knitting. She reads Master Lee's books every night. She tries to improve her character like a practitioner. Seeing the changes in her, I felt the immense power of Dafa. And to think that her amazing changes all started with a small Falun Dafa video clip that had no words in it. Looking back at my previous mindset, I felt so ashamed. I was so uncompassionate. Now I can see that people still have a good conscience, but their good conscience is deeply buried under the lies and garbage that have been forced upon them by the Chinese Communist Party. It's all up to us to make the effort to clear it away and reveal the goodness in them. There are millions of people in China just like my mother. Recently, my mother said to me, the poor people in China know nothing but lies. Her words gave me great confidence and courage to try harder in clarifying the truth to Chinese people. I no longer feel reluctant to speak about the truth of Falun Dafa. When I speak, my mother speaks the truth with me by telling her own story. Looking at the change in my mother, I can't stop thinking. Dafa's power is so boundless. Thank you for listening to Hearts and Minds Uplifted, a special series brought to you by Minghui Radio. For more information, including news about the persecution of Falun Gong practitioners in China and experience sharing stories by practitioners around the world, please visit our website at en.minghui.org.